Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Uh, today we're continuing our series, Summer Stories, and uh, all throughout this summertime, we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. Uh, and so if you weren't with us last week, you're not lost because this series is very much just come every Sunday, come some Sundays, and you'll hear a new story. What I do want you to know is this, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We learned last week, and this is just important to know, that a parable really teaches us about the kingdom of God, God's values, God's principles, who Jesus was when he showed up and said, I've come to announce the kingdom of God. And so this week, we're going to look at another one of his stories. And the other thing that you'll hear us say every week as we have different people from our preaching team speaking this summer is we want to say a prayer together as a church. And the prayer is this, Jesus, give me ears to hear. Because if we're not listening, all we're going to hear is the story, but miss the kingdom principle. And today's parable is about money, everybody. You're here on the money Sunday. Yes, you showed up without knowing. It's going to be okay. We're not taking an additional offering. You can keep your money where it is. But I think more than any other parable, we need to say, Jesus, give me ears to hear today. Or I'm telling you, Satan's going to do a work and he's going to make us offended and twisted and turn us off from the beauty that God wants us to hear. So would you pray this with me? Let's pray. Jesus, give me ears to hear. It's a good prayer. So there's a lie that was first spoken in the garden, and it's a lie that's been repeated throughout all of time. And here's the lie. You need more to be happy. You need more to be happy. It was the very first lie, right? Think about if you know how humanity began. Adam and Eve had everything, and yet the enemy says, ah, but you're missing one thing. You need more to be happy. And it's invaded our culture. I mean, think about it in your own life. If one car is good, then two cars are better. If, 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 what did I write down here? If, if one child is good, then two, nope, that one doesn't work. I forget. If one dollar is good, then two dollars are better. We, we just, we believe this, that, that more will make me happy and more is better. And so we're going to talk about this more lie today. Uh, by a show of hands, and this is an honesty, how many greedy people came to church today? Uh, oh, a couple, couple honest hands. Okay, a couple, couple honest people. So for 95% of us, you're here on a great day because this message does not apply to you. How awesome is that? I mean, I'm only going to speak to the three people that said I'm greedy this morning. You know, greed is one of those things that none of us struggle with. But we all know someone who does. We all know the Scrooge in our life. We all know the person who just doesn't seem to be satisfied with what they have. And not too long ago, as we were speaking of the Ten Commandments, I spoke of coveting and about that longing for more. Well, today is kind of like that part two of it. But instead of just talking about what we don't have that we want, which is coveting, rather, we're going to do some inventory about what we do have. And maybe why do I have so much? So we're going to read the words of Jesus. And I want to say that on the front end. If you're offended this morning, don't be offended by me. Be offended by Jesus. 
because it's what he does. He speaks truth to our lives, not so that we might be offended and turn off, but rather so that we might say, Holy Spirit, search my heart, break that part in me, and do a new work. Make me new. And in the area of finances, Jesus, of course, has a lot to say, but I want to read one of his parables with you this morning. Now, to set the stage, this parable comes about because a brother shows up and tells Jesus, hey, tell my brother to give me more of the inheritance. You see the issue? He wants more. Tell, tell him to, to divide more of what's coming his way. I don't feel as if I have enough. I need more. <laughs> and I love Jesus' response. We won't read it together, but he, he says to him, I'm not a judge between you. Like, I, that's not why I'm here. What Jesus does, rather than talking about the surface issue of the material, he goes into the heart. He wants to teach that young man as well as us today, there's an issue in your heart when it comes to more and the lie that you need more to be happy. So here's Jesus' first words of his teaching. He said to them, these are the brothers, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Watch out. Would you say that with me? Watch out. Watch out. Now, we all know the purpose of traffic signs as we're driving to tell us the direction to go, to tell us the speed to go. They're really watch out signs placed on the road. Now, honesty question again, don't leave me hanging. Anyone ever driven down the wrong way of a one-way street in a city you didn't know? And then you realize and you're like, oh, this is not going to end well if I don't turn off this side street. So I have that experience. And there were signs everywhere that said one way. I just didn't know where I was. And I think what Jesus is doing here by repeating himself, watch out, be on your guard, is he's dropping a sign for us to see. Why? Because greed is not something that 100% of the room raises their hand about. Greed is not something that we look at and see so clearly in the mirror of our lives. Oh, you know what I have? I have a greed problem. We justify it. We use fancy words for it. I'm not greedy. I'm a saver. I'm prudent. I'm just sentimental. That's why I can't get rid of all these things. We, we've dressed it up. And so Jesus, 2,000 years ago to his community, and it still translates to us today, says, watch out, be on your guard. When we're so quick to hide it, to brush it off, to say it's not a big deal, Jesus says, yes, it is, and you're going to miss it if you don't watch out. And I love that he doesn't just tell us what to do. He gives us a why. And even if you're not a Christ follower today, and even if you're saying, yeah, but I like my stuff, you would agree with him there. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's why. Or if I could give you the KIV of that, the Keith and Davino version, it's this. Life is more than stuff. That's what Jesus is saying. If you were to list the top three priorities in your life, the top three that bring value to you, I'm sure that we would be hard-pressed to find anyone that would have a stuff in their top three there. My phone, my car, my home. It would probably be more like my relationships, the people in my lives, the company I keep, my small group, my dream team members, because we know this is true up here. We just don't know 
that it's true in our wallets. Life is more than stuff. So to teach us and to teach his listeners, Jesus gives the the command, watch out, be on your guard. Notice it is a command in the imperative. So if you're a Christ follower, this very much is how you live your life. And then he says, I'll tell you a story to show you why you should watch out and be on your guard. Here's what it says in the next verse. He told them this parable. Remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So we're introduced to who's called the rich man. Everyone say the rich man. We meet the rich man. And the rich man has a problem. So it seems he's too rich. Anyone want to sign up for that problem today? <laughs> like, yo, give me a shot at it. I can fix that problem, Jesus. I'll be, I've got this. But notice, his problem is not he's too rich. His problem is not the abundance. His problem is what he's going to do with the abundance. That's what we'll see. Please hear me on the front end. Jesus is not against your wealth and my wealth. Jesus is not against that. We see that in Scripture. And this rich man, the problem he has is that he's got a good harvest coming in, but he wants to say the word in yellow with me store. He wants to store it all up. He's saying everything I have is all for me. I need to keep it. Goes on. Then he said, he's brilliant. Here's his business plan. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. Read it with me. And I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Ah, the solution to my abundant harvest. Because it's all for me. I'll build bigger barns. I want to read you some stats about the U.S. self-storage industry. And if you have stuff in storage, I'm not against you, okay? (laughs) Joe at blazechurch.org is my email, and I will respond. Here's some things. This is just crazy. The U.S. self-storage industry is a $39 billion annual industry in revenue. There are nearly 60,000 facilities. There's 1.7 billion square feet of rentable space that's averaged at $87.89 per month. Now, again, not against it. You got stuff you got to keep there. That's between you and your stuff and Jesus. But it's indicative of how large this industry is We've modernized Build Bigger Barns in 2,000 years. Just think of that. This guy has a lot, and that's great. His problem is, again, he thinks it's all for him. So he has to keep it all. Why? What's the lie? You need more to be happy. I can't give it up. I can't let go of this. And so today we have an industry that exists, maybe, just maybe, because the lie has been so believed. You need more to be happy. You have to keep it. Don't let go of it. Build bigger barns. And I'll say to myself, the rich man speaking, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Again, it doesn't seem like he's doing anything wrong. Isn't this just like a first century equivalent to a Roth IRA? He's done well for himself. 
This is great. He's got a retirement plan. I mean, he's, he's there. He's arrived. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. You worked hard. You stored it up. And now you can enjoy. I mean, Dave Ramsey might pat him on the back. I'm not sure. And he would if not for what Jesus says next. So if you're wondering, well, then is God against investments? No. We'll speak of that this fall. Is God against proper planning? No. What's the issue with this man is revealed in the next verse. Now remember, he's introduced as the rich man when Jesus tells the story. But now God gets into the story and his name changes from the rich man to something else. But God said to him, would you say this with me? You fool. Now, I, I don't know much about scripture. But what I do know is if God calls you a fool, you're in trouble. You should probably listen in that moment. God shows up and says, you fool. Well, why is he a fool? Because he's stored up? Well, I don't know. Let's see. Why is he a fool? Because he had a lot? Is it because he's wealthy? What does scripture say? This very night, your life, or if we look at it, really your soul, who you are, will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. Here's the issue with now the title of today's message, The Rich Fool. Here's the issue with The Rich Fool. He prepared for life before death, but neglected life after death. He stored up for himself. He was focused on the here and now before eternity. When God shows up in the parable, what we're understanding is that man is going to enter eternity that night. And very clearly, he has done no preparation for his eternity. He was great when it came to life before death. He had bigger barns. He was stored up. But like many of us, and prayerfully not today, We're going to hear the gospel. It's already been sung and been remembered through communion. I'm going to show you very clearly in Scripture in just a moment what the gospel is. May we not enter eternity empty-handed. We may store up for ourselves here on earth and then enter eternity empty-handed. We could have the biggest barns here, but like this man, be empty-handed. And here's what Jesus concludes it. This is how it will be with whoever. We're not just reading about the rich man from 2,000 years ago or the couple greedy people in this space today. It's whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Do you see the seriousness in the tone of Jesus' message here that started with someone who said, Jesus, tell my brother to give me more of the inheritance. And he says, ah, Your money, your treasure, your desire for more is like a spiritual MRI that will expose if there's a heart issue. And he says, this is how it'll be for anyone who stores up for themselves but is not rich towards God. So the question that we should be asking then today, because eternity matters, is how then do I avoid being a rich fool? How then do I avoid entering eternity empty-handed while I could be so full here. And I want to show you there's a couple principles that we can apply today. And yes, this will have to do with our finances, 
but it's more than that. It's not less than that because our money is a great indicator of how we trust the Lord. But look at these principles. Let's go back to the beginning of the parable. It was actually right in the first verse. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Notice the word that's there is yielded. It says the ground yielded the harvest. What, what does that mean for us? We don't know if this man was great at farming. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. What we're told is that it was the sovereignty of God that brought about the abundance in this man's harvest. The ground did it. What does that mean for us today? Think about it, because you might say, yeah, well, listen, Keith, I'm a hard worker. I went to school for this. I got my degree in this. I built a business from the ground up, and that is awesome. Who made you? Who put breath in your lungs? Who, as Acts says, the book of Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament, says that even your time and boundaries were set up by the Lord? Because your computer degree in the first century would mean squat. They wouldn't even know what you're talking about. God put you here in the 21st century. God gave you the mind that you have. This rich man failed to see something very important when it comes to our stuff. All that we have comes from God. All that we have comes from him. The ground yielded the harvest. Maybe he worked it. Maybe he didn't. The ground yielded the harvest. All that we have comes from God. In our family, we have what we call family huddles at night where we come together, the four of us, and we'll read scripture. We'll talk about our feelings. Did anyone feel angry today, happy, joyous? And, uh, and then depending on the day, if it's the end of the week, we have payday for our kids. And uh, we use Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Junior with our children, and so they understand commission and all of that. And and so they were getting paid out, everybody. This was big. This was a big one. This was like $5 for each of them. I mean, you can't beat that when you're a five-year-old. There's a whole lot of candy you can buy. And so when we started our, our payday, you know, we asked the question, so what do we do first? And in our home, a biblical value we have is tithing. And so both of our children said, we tithe. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give to the Lord. I said, okay, great. How much is the Lord's? And I said it just like that. I was, I was being a little sneaky. How much of this $5 is the Lord's? And I believe it was my son, very excited to answer, says, first 10%. You're wrong. I just crushed him in that moment. I, I crushed him. What do you mean? Dad, that's the tithe. I understand that's a tithe, son. I said, how much is the Lord's? Cece understood. She's a little quicker. All of it, Daddy? You get an extra dollar. <laughs> All of it belongs to the... Uh, the tithe is us bringing back just a small portion that's his. But I want my children to know the ground yielded the harvest. It's all his. That You want to know how to avoid being a rich fool? Everything you have, everything you touch, what if you said, this is his? This is his. It's his car, it's his phone, it's his house, it's his money. And on your worst parenting day, that works really well. God, these are your children. In the name of Jesus, take them back take them back. I cast it out right now. It's all his. It's all, guys, if we would get that in our hearts, that's, that's trusting the Lord. It's all his. So how can we remember that though? It's not easy to remember that. 
It's all his. Well, Jesus ends his story, but he doesn't end his teaching. And here's what he goes on to say. Then Jesus said to his disciples, so now he's really speaking to those of you who would say, I'm following Christ. I recognize it's all his. Every dollar is his. Therefore, I tell you, say the words with me. Do not worry. If it's all his, then don't worry. Do you know what worry does? Worry assumes that it's all yours. Worry assumes that you have to care for it. Worry assumes that if you don't have your hands on that thing and the gas prices go up, something's going to happen. But if it's all his, then I won't worry. They're connected. The root of worry is me. I worry about things that impact me. I found that worry and selfishness are closely related. So if it's all his, why would I worry? And Jesus doesn't just say, don't worry, be happy. He goes on and he tells us why. He says life is more than stuff, what we've already read. He says you matter to God. He says worry produces nothing. And then he says this, it's striking. In verse 30, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father, would you say my father? Or my father, he already knows your needs. <laughs> he already knows. Why worry? He already knows. The rest of the world might believe the lie you need more to be happy, but I'm going to choose to believe the truth. My father already knows what I need. It's all his. I want to read it, the remainder of his teaching. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. He will give you everything you need. Listen to his words here. They're so tender. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. The market doesn't crash in heaven, everybody. <laughs> there ain't no inflation. There ain't nothing bringing it down. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. And here's the MRI for our souls. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If you want to know what you desire most, if you want to know who has your heart, Jesus says, look to your treasure. Look to your money. You might pull up a tax return time and say, wow, this, this guy really likes his Starbucks. This guy's really passionate about home improvement. This person loves vacation. Again, these are just things, but your money will indicate where your heart is. It'll indicate what matters most. And so here's, here's the two principles for us to avoid being rich fools. Understand first, everything you have comes from the Lord, and everything you have is not all for you. That was the rich fool's problem. He concluded, it's all for me. I will build bigger barns. It's not all for you. It's all his, and it's not all for you. Now, I need you to hear this. This is important because we're speaking of eternity, something the rich fool missed. When it comes to eternity and your money, you cannot buy your way into heaven. And I think that that is a sham preaching that continues to exist even today. If someone on late night television tells you to sow a seed so that you might reap eternal salvation, turn that junk off. That's a misgross handling of Scripture, and Paul speaks of it in the New Testament. 
those that preach for personal profit. No, you cannot buy your way into heaven. Your means of salvation was provided for you by Jesus Christ alone. We don't give to get, we get to give. It is something we get to do. It is an act of worship and an act of faith in the God who has already saved us. This is what Paul writes in Corinthians. When he's speaking to the church about financial giving, he gives them the gospel and he says this, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. My question is, do you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you know that generous grace, it's going to motivate you to radical generosity. Not in a way to be saved, but because you are saved. But because he gave up the riches of heaven to come down to this world to lay down his life on the cross for us. So that we might be made new. So that we might put our trust in him. We give out of being saved, not to be saved. The rich fool did not prepare for eternity, but you and I can be prepared today. And that is the greatest blessing that exists in this world. Salvation, eternity, made new. To look at my money and say, you don't have your hold on me any longer. I'm free to give. But to know if we own our money or if our money owns us, we need to ask the question Jesus introduced in his statement. Where are you storing your treasure? Because notice, Jesus said, you stored up here, but you were not rich towards God. And you and I have opportunity to be rich towards God. So let me ask you some questions. We already asked it, but we'll ask it again. Are you greedy? Or are you generous? Are you wise? Or are you foolish? Does your stuff have you? Are you unwilling to let it go? What does your principles of generosity look like in your life? Is giving a get-to or a have-to for you? So I want to share a story that took place just this week, and I, I thought it was hilarious. So hopefully you laugh and again, I'm just sharing my family because this is my family. So Nate came home from uh, camp this week, and at night we were having our, our time together, and I was reading, and I asked him, like, hey, you have any stories from today? And it's just he and I, and we were reading the book of Acts. And, and he said, yeah. He's like, I told all my friends that my parents are rich. Like, That's awesome. <laughs> Tell me more, because I think your friends know I'm a pastor, so let's explore this some, son. Uh, <laughs> He's like, yeah, I told, I told, I told, I told everybody that, you're, that, that my parents are rich. I'm like, oh, wow. It's like, so, because we tell him we're rich, by the way. That's why he knows it. This wasn't a shock to me. I tell him we're rich, bud. And as they asked, well, how are your parents rich? And my son says to them, because they tithe. <laughs> That's what he tells them at camp. It's awesome. Like, I don't know, he's just preaching. He's like, because they tithe. <laughs> I'm like, well, how did that go? Like, what, what, did they, what did they say? He's like, well, I explained it to them the way we did payday last week. Because I told them I got $10. And they were with me. And I, and I told them the first thing I do in my house is the first 10% goes to the Lord. So I put $1 in my give envelope. And he said, one of the friends said, that doesn't make sense. You have less now. Now you have $9. It's so, like, yeah. And then I put 10% in my save envelope. And the friend was tracking, is pushing back. Like, but you said you're rich. 
Now you have $8. And Nate drops this bomb. And I'm going to drop, I'm, I would drop this. I don't want to drop the mic. But he goes, because when you're faithful with a little, God will give you more. And I'm like, bro, we were looking for a new campus pastor. I mean, it was just awesome. And look, I'm just sharing with you what has blessed our family in a way that we have joy when we give. And I could tell you stories, everybody. Some of you know it. I could tell you the year and a half where our family was on WIC, where I waited online and I was the guy who knew that everyone behind me is going to be upset because I have to buy certain products with this check. This is while pastoring. I could tell you the story of when we had $17 left in our bank account. I've, I've got those stories. I'm not removed from the hardship. Guys, I'm trying to figure out why it cost me $70 to fill my gas tank like you are too. I'm right there with you. And this is not so to get because we don't give to get. What I'm sharing with you today is Jesus wants your heart and your treasure is a great indicator if he has your heart. And I love tithing and I love giving. It is an act of faith and worship. It's an act of faith to say, God, the first and the best goes to you despite what the market does this week. I'm honoring you. I'm, I'm living with joy in my heart. And if today we could learn from the parable of Jesus and, and the challenge to you, Blaze Church, is this. How are you honoring the Lord with what's his? It's his. How are you living generous? How do you see the need in your community? You see the, the house that hasn't been mowed and maybe you know an appliance has gone down. How are you responding? How are you being a part of the stories that are being changed here at the church by being radically generous? Maybe you've never given before and today, even in this moment, you're saying, I want to scan that code that's right in the seat in front of me and I want to give for the first time. I want to honor the Lord. I want to worship him. I want, I want my faith to be increased. Giving is a joy. And, and I just, I want this church to not be, fool, not be filled with rich fools, to just be filled with rich people. It's okay to say you're rich. Hey, if you came here in a car, you are. Just accept it. If you're not wondering where your next meal's coming from later today, you are. Accept it. You're rich. Don't be a rich fool. Would you bow your heads with me as we respond in a song of worship? Father, we thank you this morning for the words of Jesus and what they do in our hearts that we truly get to celebrate and have joy that all that we have, the ground has yielded the harvest. It's yours, God. And this morning, we're reminded through this parable to not enter eternity empty-handed. May we call on your name. May we be thankful for the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who became poor for our sakes. May we worship you in our finances, in our time, in our lives. May we recognize you as the God who has made us new. In Jesus' name, we all said amen together.